way to start this podcast. Um, I am going to be teaching you something today that I have been embodying and living my life by for the past two years consistently. I, I have not brought it to the podcast because I've been in integrity with learning the thing before teaching the thing, something that I think many coaches do not allow space for. They jump right into teaching the thing they're learning the day they learned it. And I'm one of those, which is why I am fully, I'm going to fully claim that I am definitely one of those people. And I have made it one of my goals the past uh, year not to do that, to really live something before teaching it. It's just an act of integrity. And I think people can feel that. They can feel that, oh, this is truly an embodiment of life rather than something that someone else told her about earlier today or she heard in a podcast and then is regurgitating this information. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Though, if you are going to be a teacher of a particular type of work or a craft, you want to spend your time learning the ins and outs. And trust me, my loves, for all of you who are coaches or teachers, you will be rewarded. You will not miss out by waiting. You will not miss out by integrating. And it's really uncomfortable to wait when you're like, what? This is like really juicy information. I should be sharing it. And you can share it. You can definitely share it. I'm not saying you can't. I do that all the time still. But there's a way that you come about sharing it that says this is a process I'm learning about. And and even two years into doing this that I'm going to talk about today, I'm still there. I'm still going to admit that fully. I'm still there. And... I've also been doing it in my day-to-day life. So now I'm at a place where I'm like, why haven't I talked about this? It's time. So today we're going to be talking about the three stages according to David Data. I did not learn these from David Data himself. I learned these from John Wineland, who I've talked about on the podcast all the time, and Kendra Kuna. Those are the two people who, they come together and they do work together. Um, They are not romantic partners, but they bring their masculine and feminine insight together to events and groups and I've been a part of their two I've been a part of their eight month group for two years in a row and I've been working with them and doing these events and assisting at their events I've talked about this a lot you probably know this if you are familiar with the show so I learned I learned this through them but it comes from David Data and he's he's coined this and then John and Kendra have coined their own versions and I will be coining my own version of this, but for now, I'm I'm pretty much going to give <clears throat> the insight into what the three stages are and blow your mind. Therefore, you will be, wow. By the end of this podcast, you will be, wow. Like, I can almost guarantee it. No, I can guarantee it. Unless you're like driving or doing a million things and you're not really paying attention, then I can't guarantee anything. Um, and even, even though there's a guarantee, don't quote me on that even though there's now a record of me saying it. Okay, so 
I'm going to talk about the three stages as well as examples. I'm going to give tons of examples. I've written them down. I'm prepared. I'm ready to shower you with examples. But let's go through these. So essentially, there are three stages of communication, so to say. It's more than communication. It's more of three stages of how we share our desires, our feelings in this world. Our wants, what hurt us, that didn't hurt us, here's what I need from our relationship, blah, blah, blah. There's three different styles. There's a first stage, a second stage, and a third stage. The first stage is what we experience most of the time in this world. It's the, it's the, the like, childhood wounding programming being reenacted, 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 and then engaging other people's childhood wounding being reenacted, reenacted, reenacted. It's when a woman, for example, is really upset that her man never plans the dates. And instead of communicating this or revealing this, because she's always planning the, the, the dates, she's passive aggressive. She crosses her arm. She turns her back away. She said, wow, it'd be a fucking miracle if you ever showed up in that way. And then he's like, what? What are you talking about? How dare you? And then he gets maybe dominating. Or maybe he gaslights and ignores everything that you're saying underneath what you're saying. And this cycle continues. The same thing happens with, with men all the time. Like this is, this is totally non-gendered. I'm just giving examples. But men do this as well. Where maybe they don't know how to handle their mother's energy, for example. And so they avoid the phone calls. They don't pick it up. And it just makes your anxious mother even more anxious. Or perhaps you are a man that has a woman, a partner, who is taking the lead and really stepping up to the plate in a lot of different ways, but she doesn't know how to cool it and how to let go. And so she's controlling everything. And instead of him out alphaing her with love, with love, he goes into his childhood wounding of like, oh, mommy always was like this. So I'm going to become quiet and I'm going to do what I do. And maybe I'll turn to a, to pornography to get my needs met or I'll turn to television, zoning out. I'll go out with the guys and drink a few beers, which turns into a few more beers. Like it's just this subconscious programming living itself out day after day in every relationship all throughout life. Another way that you can think about this, so that's like, that's what it looks like in the day to day. And then there's actually a way we can look at stage, stage one and archetypes. This could also be the housewife and the breadwinner. That traditional domesticated role that was very repressive. The breadwinner who wasn't allowed to feel his feelings, who went to work, did the nine to five, missed out on time with his kids, had to be tough all the time, had to bring home the bacon, was always trying to climb the corporate ladder and get ahead and get ahead and get ahead and it's never enough. And there's always all these demands and nagging and moans from the wife that he has to go out there and accomplish and do and blah, blah, blah. And then the housewife, staying at home, taking care of the kids, not feeling like she's appreciated, appreciated, not going out and working, not making money, not knowing where her individual purpose and calling is. Now, remember, we're not talking about housewives today. I'm like, this is like the 1960s. This is the archetype we're looking at. Just want to make that very clear. So she is someone who doesn't feel like her voice is being heard. She might be silenced. She's in the woman's place, right? So it's, it's that very repressed 
shut down archetype and then he is the one with all the pressure like both of those it was a very toxic uh way to live really not to say for everyone some people it may have worked really well for them but it's more so that you're given a role and you've got to stick with it you're not really empowered to choose your role that's really what it is so that's the first stage and we can look at how we are first stage in it all day long like I first stage things here's a great example so let's say we're on Bumble a dating app you know you don't really know the person but like deep down you're still like really craving that they're gonna just want to shower you with their presence and their love even though you've never even met they don't even know who they're gonna about to invest time with them and like that's a that's a childhood wounding right like even right there starting the starting point is like see me love me choose me make me be the 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 queen the princess like do just plan a huge first date where you just pour your money into me like that is in itself childhood wounding of wanting to be special wanting to be the chosen one wanting to be seen and loved and adorned all of this and those things are good wanting to be seen loved and adorned when they're brought into the light whenever they're being played out through shadow like you're not even acknowledging it that's when they become leaky and a little dangerous because you have these desires that you're not bringing forward with your heart instead you're bringing forward secretly and I'll tell you I'll give this example to show you how that how that happened with me so for example let's say that um this isn't this is something that happened in new york i was on bumble and someone had planned a date for us and the day comes and i'm feeling really sick i really was feeling sick and i told this person i'm so sorry i feel i'm coming down with with something immunity wise my throat is sore i would really love to reschedule if that's okay and he said, sure. And then I was like, great. And then his next text was something like, but since you're the one that backed out of this, I'm going to leave it up to you to plan something good for us, make a guy feel special. And my, my like response to that, my true response, because I've done all this work on myself and I can see this, my true response is, oh, I want to be special. I want to be worth two planned dates. Love me. Like kind of wanting to be like also a little bratty. Like uh, uh, I'm worth it, you know. Um, But instead, the first stage is when it comes out more like, okay, fine. And then you telling yourself, well, I guess I won't even reach back out to him. Okay, fine. Don't care. Like acting like you don't care. Withholding. That's what it is. It's withholding your truth. Because for many people, all they know is you either give your truth in a way that is, um, hmm. well, you give your truth and you say, what I really want is blah, 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 and it hasn't been received well. So you've shut that down and you thought, okay, well, I'll just go back to withholding and not sharing it at all. Withholding is not how we create loving, deep partnership. Even if your truth is, is quote, ugly, or even if your truth your truth could hurt someone, there's a way, and we'll get into that in this podcast, that you can share your truth in a way that actually magnetizes the person to you. But withholding is not one of them. Withholding and acting like you don't care and creating resentment is not good. Like that person already by me withholding was set up for further resentment because maybe I would plan the next day, but the whole time I'd be like, Ugh, I... I didn't get this from him, even though he totally tried to do that to me. He tried to provide a good first date. So this is what we do in our day-to-day life. Like we 
purposefully leave out our dishes to see if our partner will finally clean them. And then when they don't, even though we knew that they wouldn't, we don't give them a good night kiss. We turn our shoulder away. We uh, reject them, withhold our love from them, which is abusive. My loves, it is abusive. Not to say you're being intentionally abusive, but it is. It is re-triggering your partner, your friends, your family members, their childhood woundings. Because most of our childhood woundings all go back to, I never felt like I had unconditional love. Because most of our childhoods, I would say a lot of ours, were raised on some principles of reward and punishment. So many of us now adults who were punished as kids or whose our, our parents didn't go to therapy and do work on themselves have this fear that unconditional love wasn't a thing in their life, even if it was. A child doesn't know that. If a child doesn't feel the presence of love from mommy and daddy, then when they get to be an adult, they're kind of walking around life worried that love will be taken from them like it was when they were a kid, even if it wasn't. Because your body just doesn't know that. The body keeps score. Okay. So that's an example of first stage. Then there's the second stage. Second stage is the healthy communication with the I statements. I was hurt when you didn't do the dishes. I was sad when you didn't show up on time. I feel like our relationship is lacking in the intimacy department. I, 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 really speaking from your perspective, that doesn't mean everything is always I. There's actually something called embodied embodied, um, clearing with someone where you can actually clear with them your projections like you're really you're coming forward with your very honest projections when this happened i felt i thought and and those can include you statements such as when you didn't clean the dishes i felt upset triggered sad confused left out unimportant because i thought that you must not care enough you are choosing to ignore it's like all the things you were imagining that they were doing and then you can share what you really wanted and I really wanted blah 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 to happen for you to see those dishes and and care enough to want to clean them for me very very communicate communicative you feel something you feel a trigger and you're upfront about it and you talk about it like hey can we talk about this imbalance in our partnership Um, hey you want to be polyamorous can we talk about this and have a conversation about what the logistics would be around this I don't know I'm just giving an example the list goes on and on and on and on and on like even with your girlfriends hey I really feel like I'm the one that's planning all of our get-togethers and I would really love if you reached out and planned uh, a get-together for us it would make me feel very special and I understand that this really isn't about you and you have so much going on But I also know that there's a part of me that's really craving that from you. And if I don't speak up about it, I will create resentment. So I need to clear that now. You know, Uh, stage two is is really where most of our world needs to be at. It's where most of our world needs to be at. And if we look at this in archetypes, this would be more like now the woman setting out to to work and changing the ways like she's working, she's she's out of the house she's not just automatically the home caretaker and she's building a business or she is stepping more into the masculine archetype and it's also uh the men of our world 
or the breadwinners will say from the 1960s archetype, going more into, I can stay at home. I can feel my feelings. I'm going to go to therapy, like going back in touch with their emotional realm, whereas that was really shut off. So we're kind of, we're, we're infusing our yin and yang. We're, we're, we're coming together. The, I'm, I'm using gender here. I understand that. But because of the archetype, we need to use gender because this is archetypal rather than the energy but the women are setting out to do more of the things that men have done and the men are setting out to do more of the things that women have done and then a whole lot of other stuff is happening too like we're creating new genders and people are becoming much more fluid and open about their sexuality and it's also beautiful and so stage two is when you learn how to communicate your needs and your desires very very needed we need this in our society more than anything We need to go from stage one to stage two. But here's the thing, because you all can handle this. And I know you all want not just to have healthy communicative relationships. You want to have hot, steamy, have sex in the back of a pickup truck kind of love, right? Or is that just me? I don't know. So if you're wanting to move deeper into really erotic friction and sensuality and sexuality when you least expect it and even have this magical capability to turn a fight into a fuck right like we see it in movies but we're like that never happens to me in real life it can happen this is stage three it is not easy it's taken me two years i'm just now really starting to get it in my body so already know be patient with yourself doing this and stage three is a is a experience of trial and errors you're basically I'll, I'll sum it up like this in stage three you're offering your gift as a primarily feminine or masculine being to whoever you're with as a way to open something in them you're taking the focus off of you. Of, I need this. This is how I felt, blah, blah, blah. And instead, you're like, how can, how can I open something in the person that's in front of me with my own energy? So stage three isn't very hot. It's not super hot to sit down and say, let's talk. I this, I this, when I thought, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't make you want to rip your panties off. But if you create some or bring some sexuality to your desires if you think about i really wanted i really wanted you to do the dishes how can you bring your gift as a feminine creature to for example a masculine being to show him how much you wanted him to do the dishes and have the night end in sex basically doesn't always have to end in sex. It could just be really cute and adorable and like bring you closer together. I'm just kind of emphasizing that this is where polarity comes from. Polarity is two opposite ends of a pole. So so oftentimes too, like as 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 women, we think a lot of the times like, well, I'm I'm revealing my heart to him, but as John has explained this in a lot of his events, and it makes so much sense that the masculine nervous system, men's nervous system is really 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 thick. Because they have so many years of not being able to show their emotions. They've learned how to desensitize. And they're domesticated to be desensitized. So where something might really stimulate emotion for you, it may take triple that for your man or your masculine in your life. So we want to amplify whatever it is we're revealing, like, 
double, triple, quadruple. And while that is really great for him so he can feel you on a deeper level and actually feel what you're saying because his nervous system is so thick, it's also really good for you. Because we too, have, as women, have learned to desensitize. And we're more in the masculine now, the pendulum has swung. So <clears throat> you revealing your desires at double level, double or triple what you thought you were giving, it's really good for you because it's teaching your nervous system you can be louder, you can be bigger, you can be wider. So let's give some examples here because I think this will help you understand more. So, um, which example do I want to start with? Okay. I'll give an example that I gave to my client yesterday in one of our coaching sessions. So one of her desires is to have her partner clean up after himself. And I so get this. This has been one of the biggest, quote, issues in most of my relationships is wanting them to clean up. And normally I would stage one it. I would be like, you never clean up after yourself again. Or I would go around the apartment and I would pick things up and I'd make sounds to make sure they knew I was picking up their stupid things. Very stage one. It is kind of abusive because there's a dissonance. Like I'm picking up the clothes, but I'm making weird sounds that demonstrate I'm not happy about it and leaves them feeling very awkward and not knowing what to say about it because they know they messed up and they're feeling bad about it. And it's almost as if we want them to feel worse about it. Stage one. Stage two would be, honey, I see you've left your clothes on the floor again. And I just want, I just, I so want to have a clean house and I want to be there for you. And it's really stressing me out to see that the clothes are here. And I know we talked about this the other night, but I would really appreciate it if you set aside some time today to clean, pick up your clothes, do your own laundry. It would make me feel so good. Are you okay with this? How do you feel about this? Right? Very stage two, communicative, not very sexy or hot. Stage three. This is what I just told my client, like, give this a shot. How about dressing up in a maid costume? Putting on, so you see the clothes are everywhere. Put on a maid costume and start tiptoeing around the apartment like a maid, like a sexy little maid, picking up t-shirt, sock, folding them. And then when your partner walks in, say, hello, welcome to the Hotel de Lourdes. I don't know. I'm making that up. Welcome to Hotel de Lourdes. This is your pillow, sir. I have already picked up your clothes and I hope you don't mind. I've folded them nice and neat on your bed. And here's your chocolate on your pillow. I hope you enjoy it. Please let me know if you need anything at all. More additional clothes folding services. I'm here for that. Or if you need anything, I'm just down the hall. And then tiptoeing out. Like that's adorable. It's funny. It's going to make him want to come closer to you. And it will also get the message across. And you can be even, you can be even more playful. Maybe it's not a maid that you want to be, but maybe you want to be like, um, uh, some sort of dominatrix. Like you dress in your, your leather, whatever leather outfit you have, put on your leather and be like, with your whip say, if you don't do the folding of your clothes in the next five minutes. I'm going to give you the biggest spanking of your entire life. So adorable. And it will bring you, this is what it is. Third stage is bringing your gift. Like she, this dominatrix or this maid is bringing her gift of creativity and art and her accent and embodiment and dressing up. And doing a service to her partner because 
The biggest struggle for the masculine in the world is the feeling of immense burden. For the feminine, it's there's never enough love. And for the masculine, it's there's always so much burden. And by you creating art and play out of your really deep concern or your desire is for the clothes to be picked up, you are, for that moment in time, alleviating his burden of being a man. And we have to give, we have to give our conscious men that. Really think, it, it, there's definitely a time and a place for us as women to say, hey, listen to us. And there's also, I think, a time and a place that we're kind of ignoring to see the conscious men in our life and honor them for what they're doing, for all they have been through, for their lives and their past and their history. And by you dressing up and being a dominatrix in the name of folding clothes, you are alleviating his burden. It's not just one more task, one more thing to do. And it's not to say that we don't have things to do, but that's what we're here on earth for is more connection and more love. And this is the ultimate form of love is to be able to put aside your own needs and give, give the thing that you wish you would receive. Not tit for tat, not holding back because you're secretly resentment, but instead giving someone your love and your pleasure and your embodiment and your joy and give them the texture of what it is you would like to receive. In the moments you probably don't want to do it. Those are the deepest moments. So that's one example. Here are some more examples. So I have a friend who um, travels a lot and from time to time this, this friend uses straws and um, his partner, because they'll go to Starbucks or something, he'll just unconsciously grab a straw. He won't even think. His partner is like very, very into the activism, activism around not using straws, of course, which I'm all for. And the times that he grabs that straw and puts it in his drink, she might first stage it. She, I think she's both second staged it, healthy communication, hey, I feel this way when you do that, but also first, sta- first staged it like, by withholding love, by turning away, by huffing and puffing, by showing with a closed heart how mad she is. And so his way where he could bring his masculine gift to her and light her up, alleviate the tension, let her know that he sees her and hears her, but also create some erotic friction. What uh, the idea that I gave to him, because I thought this would be really hot and adorable, is for him to just grab her and throw her over his shoulder and like spank her. And be like, if you tell me one more time not to use a straw, I'm going to give you the biggest spanking of your life. And just spank her. And it's like super adorable and funny and sweet. And it's going to make her laugh. Because here she is being like, don't do this, don't do this. And then he basically outscolds outscolds her. But in a way that's connected to his heart and full of love. And in the name of connection. And erotic friction. He's spanking her. It's sexy. And he's got to keep up with that. Stay connected to his heart. Only stay connected to your heart when you do any of this the heart connection is the most important thing like it would be weird to be a maid walking around the apartment and folding clothes and not be connected to your heart and doing it with a closed heart I don't even think you could like your heart is going to open the minute you put on a maid costume and start walking around your apartment picking up it's just you can't not it's just too adorable and funny so there's an example of that of bringing more of your your masculine energy into it spanking pulling a little bit of hair um growling into the ear and say tell me to do that again 
Another thing that one of my friends has been playing with, and I've recently started playing with this too, many of us have this wound of the people-pleasing wound. And if we do something wrong, we, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Oh no, 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 I didn't mean to do that. But we try to justify or validate our actions or back out of whatever it is that we did. And one of my friends has recently been doing this thing where every time someone may say, she did something, uh, she's in the wrong place, maybe in the wrong aisle of the grocery store, or she turned in the wrong paper for something, uh, or, I mean, this is outside of the context of work. You want to make sure that you're very professional given what your workplace is. You don't want to be bringing a lot of sexual friction into your workplace. I don't know where you work. Maybe you do, but probably not. Um, But she, in those moments, particularly in in like group work if one of the group members she accidentally cuts them off or she when we're setting a, a sacred space up at our events she lights the wrong candle whatever it may be anything that's wrong that moment when her body wants to close and shut down and turn away and be quiet or justify and say I didn't mean to blah 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 blah, blah. she'll just look at whoever she's with and say I'm a very bad girl I'm a very bad girl. So it's claiming that you did something wrong, but making it stage three. And it will light, it lights up the room. You try it. You cook a meal and it be, let it be the wrong meal. If it's the wrong meal your partner asked for, maybe he's like, I really want to have tacos tonight. And you make spaghetti and he comes home and he's disappointed and you didn't mean to. And maybe the first thing you want to do is just like profusely apologize and explain yourself and validate it instead walk up close to him and just wink at him and say I'm a very very bad girl tell me what happens when you do that I have a very strong feeling he will not keep his heart closed he will not care anymore the dinner will not be important he will be very happy with whatever meal you gave because he probably won't even be eating it because he will be taking you into the bedroom. And we can do this in our life. It doesn't have to be in relationship. I do this now, not in relationship, not in partnership, just in life. Like I can do something wrong even or say something wrong with my girlfriends and do the same thing. I'm a very bad girl. And they still laugh because those are the kinds of friends I have. So, you know, it kind of depends. But you can create art out of anything that's a very real life issue. That's called stage threeing it. And that's when you as a feminine creature step into your energy and your love light because that's what the feminine is, is energy. So you dressing up like that as you being energy and archetypes and showing all the different parts of you. And then for the masculine being the redwood forest, being thick, being in your masculine presence in your container, like the deeper your breath is, oh, Gosh, makes me weak in the knees for a masculine being to have really deep breath. Or like the spanking example, it's him taking that alpha energy but doing it connected to his heart and doing it in the name of love. So, hmm, other masculine ideas is doing the haka dance. Really, If you don't know what the haka dance is, I will include a link to it on the show notes for this episode. But the haka dance, like say that someone is not paying attention to you in your life, your your feminine being is not seeing you, just bust out in the haka and don't even explain it. Really sexy, beautiful dance that the masculine can do. That is art. It is definitely art. 
or just deepening the breath. Like for me, I'm always going to come back to that. If you deep breath and you turn into some kind of animalistic, like that, that would even be super hot is like there's actual tension in your relationship and you could stage to it and just talk about it. Or you could become a lion and you could like roar in her ear ever so subtly and pull her hair a little bit and then say something like, I'll do the dishes later and then pick her up and then take her to the bedroom. You can create art out of anything. It's a magical gift. Those are the three stages. I hope this served you well. I I, I 110% believe your entire life will change if you start to implement this into your life like drastically change with your mom you can three-stage it and that doesn't just mean sexuality in this in this episode I've covered a lot around sexuality but you can three-stage it by just creating art like that I'm a very bad girl but doing it without the sexual context like oh I'm very naughty like you can still you can still formulate the way you say things to make it non-sexually but still create art out of something and reveal your truth and there's lots of ways we can go deeper into this but For now, I'll leave it there. Let me know what questions you have. Head on over to my Instagram to send me a message or comment on the post for this. Go to the show notes to grab any links to leave a comment there. As always, I'm so looking forward to hearing your insights and your thoughts. Uh, My offerings are all on maddiemoon.com, including all my podcasts from the past six years. The retreat I have coming up November 15th to 17th, my one-on-one coaching in the Feminine Spirit School, which begins January 6th, which is my eight-week course. If you're interested in any of that, you can go to my website. Other than that, I'll see you very, very soon. Bye.